Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed. I'm Rich Rupp, your podcast host, product trainer, and chef here at the Volrath Company. And here today, as always, is my co-host and our producer, Justin Pearson. Justin, how are you today? I am outstanding. How about you? Yeah, it's it's Monday, right? I mean, <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, I, I I roll my eyes, you know, when people say, "Oh, Mondays," but God, it, it's today. It is living up to <laughs> its cliche. Well, we do have though today, you and I, and we have Nate's recap coming up here at the end. Everyone, make sure we hang in there for that. But we get together and we get to record our podcast today. So at least that part of our Monday is a good day. Oh, without a doubt, you know, it's yeah. it's always. A bright, shiny moment in the day, and you, we can kind of just take a deep breath, relax, know that nobody else is going to bother us because you know we we put up the blockers, and there's there's nobody coming through because this this is our time, and it's our time with our guest, and That's and it. we really we just get to talk about things that we really enjoy. Right, and today we are going to be talking about sustainability. Personally, you know, I'm 55 years old, so. This is relatively a new thing. I mean, if you're younger, you're like, what do you mean? It's new. People always have been talking about sustainability. But I'll tell you what, it was never mentioned back when I was, say, in college for hotel restaurant you know, management. I'd say the concept has always been there, waste not, want not. Well, that was just from my dad. He well, would come yes. by and literally <laughs> look in the garbage can and, and ask you why you threw something away. You know, that was his idea, I suppose, of uh, sustainability. And uh... <laughs> well, and that was ingrained in me at an early age, too, from, from my mother, from her father, my grandfather. Like when they would, uh, at homecoming and stuff like that, when their houses used to get toilet papered. Yeah. He would make. No, the... no, he didn't really. Oh, yeah. He would make my mother and her <laughs> brothers go out and collect it all. They oh. would roll it up and it'd be like, that's perfectly good toilet oh, paper. We boy. are not wasting that. Wow. And th they would always pray for rain, you know, because that would yeah. be the only instance that they wouldn't have to go out. But, you know, that that's passed on, that that, yeah. that sense of like, don't waste because there might be a time when you truly need something. But yeah, so I think that concept has always been there. But then that's just kind of like a profitability standpoint, you know, yeah. uh, but the whole a sustainability concept has, has grown into like, whoa, it's a lot bigger picture now. It's not just about like your bottom line, your bottom dollar. It's about like, hey, we got to preserve the place where we all live. Mm -hmm. None of that other stuff really matters if <laughs> if there's not a planet for us. Right. Well, that's the part I'm, I'm thinking is really the big change, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not that we are we were conscious of waste, but it was really for the bottom line. And now it's about what is the container and how long is it going to take for that container to mm -hmm. be you know, um, used up or are we going to keep it around for more than one time use? Um, is it a steel container? Is it a plastic that is environmentally bad or what is it made of? That's people are just more interested and also sourcing issues of mm -hmm. food way more important to people now than it ever has been. So, well, and we have on our show today, a sustainability expert. So we will be talking about all this in depth with her li a little bit later on the show. There's there's so many little things that that you just don't think about. It's like oh yeah, well, you know, look at the bottom of a plastic container and see how you can recycle it, that sort of thing. But but there's there's people who are are going to school and making entire careers out of sustainability and, right. and then making those big implementations at say like universities and well, and large corporations that are putting out lots mm -hmm. of volume. That that's just it. People are are more conscientious about 
their carbon footprint, their impact on on, on the planet. So mm-hmm. that's really a big part of why you're seeing these things happening now is because there's that buy-in from the public. Right. She is a she holds a master of science in sustainable management from DePaul University. So talk about you know something that's to that level now having a master's degree in sustainable management. Yeah, it's definitely at the forefront of people's minds much more than ever before. So it'll, I'm sure we're going to learn a few things. It'll be interesting to hear. I'm sure she'll have some interesting statistics that, let's face it, most of us never give a second thought. At least, again, my age maybe where this is kind of new and I, I, I'll i be maybe really, really surprised at some of the things that she talks about as far as the yeah. amount of waste that we have. It, it, we're kind of at that critical stage as a, as a global society where... Every day, more and more people are like, okay, yeah, we should probably do something about this. We've been waiting long enough. We've been dragging our feet long enough because we're really starting to see the effects. And, and they can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. You know, this Whether or not you, you believe that global warming is a thing, there's things that are happening that if there's something we can do about it, then we should be doing about it. Yeah. You know, nothing political. These are just good things in general. Yeah, yeah. And, and as, as far as an advancement... As a human race, you know, these things that have to happen sooner or later. Yeah, we've always kind of talked about it at Volrath, though, because, you know, our, for example, our steam table pans, stainless steel, 100% mm-hmm. recyclable. As a matter of fact, most stainless steel is made primarily from recycled product. So there's mm-hmm. the ultimate, right, the the steam table pans and all the cookware that we use. And anything that's that's stainless is usually, has started from something else. It is a... Uh, product that's made from recycled materials. So right, well, and, and not just that, but these things are designed to last forever, pretty much. I mean, you're going to have those; they're they're probably going to outlive you. You're going to pass them down to your children and grandchildren. <laughs> I have a stainless steel set of bo- mixing bowls from my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. And when I was a service manager at Volrath, people would call me and look for handles from a line of cookware we had back in the '60s. Mm. And they would call looking for that and they would talk about it. And, and like, I got grandma's cookware, right? The cookware was willed to me. It was this this uh-huh. treasured set of cookware. I am not lying that the people would call up and have that kind of you know, fondness for it. And they were looking for new handles. Of course, we sold hmm. off that line at one point. But still, people really, really like that uh, fact that it's old, old cookware. It was really, really good stuff. And of course, living in Sheboygan, where Volrath is, is located... I just saw the cookware everywhere. It wasn't nothing to me that was so special because everybody bought a set when they when they had it here at Volrath. But if you lived in other areas of the country, there was a time that people would pack up vehicles of stainless steel cookware and travel to other states and sell it because it was just a thing that they didn't have available readily available to them, and people would go out and sell it out of their car, literally out of their car oh. on the side of a road. Interesting. That's an interesting stuff. interesting story on that. I didn't. I didn't realize, yeah, you could have a little pop-up stand for, for Volrath. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe we could still get away with that. You know, we should take a little road trip and do a little pop-up stand at a farmer's market and <laughs> hawk some small we'll, wares. We'll float that out there and see how that goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> Justin we'll, and I are we'll going to go take we'll, a trip with some cookware in the back of a van. We'll see you guys later. We'll live stream the whole thing, you know. We'll, we'll make an we'll, adventure out of it. We'll do a show from the side of the road. <laughs> well, you get back in your into your sales hat, you know. Yeah, well, I could do it. All right, well, I think we should get to our guest here. Justin, what do you think? It's always a good time to bring on an expert. Our guest today is Lizia 
Dilima Spellman, who is the sustainability manager at Pitt Eats, which is the uh, University of Pittsburgh by Compass. Uh, welcome, Lisa. Welcome to the Vorath feed. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and talking a little bit more about sustainability, which is one of my favorite topics to talk well, about. Yes, we, we, uh, we're excited because we both kind of admit that this is um, something we hear about a lot, but we don't maybe know as much, I'm sure, as, as, as you know. So something a little bit different. But one of the things I, I'd like to ask, and I, I know you, you were born in Brazil and then you came to the U.S., how do you get into your field? And especially, do you focus on food service? Is this a an area that you focused on by choice? Or is it just the way that it kind of fell into it? Or how did you get in, into your position at uh, University of Pittsburgh? Um, so we start from the beginning. Yes, um, there you go. So for me, like my story with the food industry, I won't say the food service, but I would say the food industry, started when I was in college in Brazil. So I studied animal science. And as you know, learning about how animal proteins is produ produced principally in Brazil, and we still follow a lot of how the United States and Europe do with animal production. Um, so that's my beginning with the food industry. Um, and then during the time when I was in college, I worked with biological control, uh, which taught me to look at food systems in a more sustainable way. So that's when I start to focusing more and learn more about sustainability. Um, then I moved to United States when I graduated in 2015. Um, and then I came to be an au pair, learn English. And during that time, I always wanted to study in, in the United, United States. So I used the opportunity to get my master's degree. And I was admitted to the sustainable management program at DePaul University. So that's kind of how I learn more about sustainability and how I could connect food systems with my knowledge in animal science and sustainability and how can we transform the food system that we currently have today. Um, so since that time, I have a passion of like how that connection can work and how can we do better in terms of sustainability. Um, that's kind of how <laughs> I am with the food service today <laughs> with that connection, with the knowledge and the passion about transforming the food system. So in your current role then with the University of Pittsburgh, um, how is it? How do you interact in the food program? Do you deal with the chef? Do you deal with the dietitians or the food service directors? Or how is it that you, you get involved in, in the food service at the, at the university? So in my role, I deal with everyone, every single department from marketing to the operators to the chefs, um, most with the executive chef to make sure that like our purchasing. So let me rephrase that. So um, with this role, the university has already some goals in terms of food system, what they would like to see in terms of sustainability in our side. So my job is making sure that like we are following and we are meeting the goals that the university um, has for food system. So I basically connect with every single department to make sure that we are meeting the goals with the university by 2025. Um, with that, I have to deal with like the chefs, talk to the chefs, marketing operators to make sure that they're implementing the programs. And at the same time with the chefs to make sure that we are purchasing more sustainably, like, sustainable products on campus. Is it both food and equipment that you look at as sustainable or is it mostly on the food side? Um, I would say both. 
um, because we do have reusable containers programs that, you know, it's a different, it's connected to food, but at the same time, it's not food that we're purchasing. So it is both. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, was this driven by the this incoming students that you hear that their concerns are this, or is this just something that the university is doing? You mentioned you work with the marketing department. I imagine that's got to be something that you're looking at is what the incoming students want from their their university. Yes, it's the incoming students. Um, it's just to make sure that we have the communication plan for any programs that we have on campus in terms of sustainability and food service. Um, so marketing and sustainability, they're always connected. They're always talking to each other because we need to make sure that we are communicating our programs to the students, you know, pretty well and they understand everything that we say. <laughs> So one of the things that um, I know your your big push in your initiative is on the the reusable containers. That's something that you're you're big into, and I guess you just talk a little bit about that program and how did it start? I mean, where did this? Yes. Yeah, so the reusable pro- program uh, containers um, were running the University of Pittsburgh when we moved to the university. So just to um, give a like a background a little bit. So Chart 12 took over the contract last year in 2020. Um, and then we had some changes already. So the program was at the university and um, it is part of the, their goals, the sustainability goals, which is to serve 50% of to-go meals in reusable container by 2025. So knowing that, we since last year with the pandemic, we were just like, we need to do something because you know, like as you probably saw in a lot of restaurants, most of the, the serving was disposable containers. Um, we did try to bring back fall 2020, but because people didn't know yet, you know, in terms of pandemic, if that was safe or not, uh, we have that had that on hold for fall 2020. And during that time, we started to plan how to bring back the program for next semester, which is spring 2021 just this year, beginning of this year. Um, with that time of planning, we decided to expand the program uh, to a residential dining or all you care to eat. That's another way that you can explain residential dinings. Probably some people don't know how exactly it works. So, um, <laughs> so we do have the program now available at residential dining locations and retail locations. So. Retail locations would be like exactly like if you have a Pizza Hut, for example, you know, but we do have internal brands that help us to um, be more thoughtful in terms of like where we can use the containers. So since that, um, since the spring term, um, I can we saw an increase in participation in the program compared to the years before, the previous years where the university had uh, the program available. Um we had like more than 648 students sign up for the programs and we had more than 4,000 containers exchanged across campus. So wow. just an, an example, one container, one reusable container accounts for 300 single-use paper containers. So we did have an impact on reducing the amount of disposable containers that we were using on campus last semester, which is a wow. big deal. Um, and the, this semester, uh, which it was incredible for me to see too, we have more than 3,000 students sign up for the program. Wow. That's impressive that they're signing up like that. That's great news for you, yeah. right? Yeah. What's the major incentive for them 
to to sign up uh is there anything other than having just like a, a moral and ethical uh conscious about sustainability uh and i'm sure you're working closely with the marketing department getting the word out about about this this program um, is there anything else that you use to incentivize the students to become a part of it? So the program is for free. It's offered by the university for free, so there's no cost to join the program. Um, a lot of universities, they do have a cost to join. Uh, we decided to maintain that for free since it's the university that is backing up the program, uh, which helps a lot to make sure that, you know, students have the containers available. And I believe, like, because of the pandemic, since we opened... Um, still had like the weird times, you know, where <laughs> still couldn't si uh, sit in uh, for the first weeks. Some students, depending on, you know, like vaccinations and all of that. Um, we still had some students that needs to take food out from the dining. So that's, I think, was a big push for the program too. You know, showing the students that the program is available. If a student don't feel comfortable sitting at the dining, you could just take your food out to eat. Um, for more that is connected to sustainability, I believe in, you know, in my heart, like the pandemic helped to, to push the program uh, <laughs> forward. I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if it's like, if it's like the cool thing to do on campus, you know, you see other students around and they got your containers, you know, the sustainable containers and younger kids, students, you know, they can... They can popularize things. So I, I wonder if it's a cool thing to have, like, to be seen with these containers, you know. It's just kind of like a social status. Yeah, and, and, and you can go out to eat. You don't need to sit at the yeah. dining. Yeah. Exactly. So just to make sure everyone's clear, these are your standard, what are they, nine by nine? What we normally would see is either a foam box or um, what other materials are they made out of? But the the, uh, the to-go containers, right? Like nine by nine or yeah, ten? we decided for a smaller one. It's eight by eight. Um, okay. Usually, if you see a nine by nine, they're huge, and you know, using an eight by eight helps to reduce food waste as well. Because okay. people mm. wouldn't take that much food compared to a nine by nine container. Oh, that's right, because you're in the all you care to eat program. Yeah. Aha! Uh -huh. Pack it full. Yeah, so that's why <laughs> we we decided for a smaller one to make sure that like you know like to reduce food waste as well. So you're. Uh huh. You're being sustainable two times. You're using a reusable container and you can reduce your food waste. Well, that makes sense, you know, because the whole psychology of like a bigger, you know, how the, how the dinner plate, the average size of the American dinner plate has grown exponentially over the past like 50 years. And now dinner plates are just massive. And then you feel like, well, I got to eat everything on my plate. You know, if you have a smaller physical footprint of where the food can go. You know, you're, number one, you're not going to overeat as much, but yeah, you're not going to waste that food. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that. And you still can go around too at the eat, so at, at our dining. So, you know, you can get your plate, choose what you want to eat. And if you want to eat more, you can just go and get more. Okay. As I was going to say, I, I know there's athletes that probably will, you know, they need a higher calorie intake after working out and so forth that the little eight by eight might be a little bit, uh, Restrictive on them, so they can have more than one if they want. <laughs> they can, right? Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm sure then. I, I, if there's no downside, so how does it work then? I take my container home. I have my meal. Am I to rinse it at home, or what do I do with the container to keep it in the program? How does it work? So here at the university, um, we have a system where we use we use the Planet Aussie containers. So it's a company that provides the containers. They provide machines. 
um, for people to return the containers, and then we have tokens as well. So we use mm-hmm. the entire program that they have. Um, let's gonna say that you're a student today, you're coming to our dining location for the first time, so you have to register at the cashier to get your first token. Um, then you can request your container and then you go around the dining, choose what you want to eat, and then you have to leave the dining to eat your food. Mm-hmm. When you're done with that, um, you can return your containers to the machine. So the only request that you ask is to make sure that you don't have any food inside of the container. So clean just the food. You don't need to rinse or anything like that. Just return to the machine and we are going to wash that for you. So that's one of the requirements by the health department that we have to wash the containers to make sure it is completely sanitized mm-hmm. because we use a industrial dishwash mach- machine that goes to 185 um, Fahrenheit. So we need mm-hmm. to make sure that everything is clean for you when you come again to get your second container. How durable are the, the containers then with, let's say there's something in there that I need to cut with my knife. Does it, does it, cut into the bottom at all or are they how is there a comparison you can kind of make to everyone so we kind of get a feel for what these these might be like That's these a containers good question. so they are very durable <laughs> um i haven't seen like containers with knife scratches, but usually if they do we separated them um the company the planet oz company is pretty good that if the containers break or something like that you can return the containers and they're going to recycle that for you so that's something that we, we do have a few containers that broke, but they're very durable in terms of like knives usage, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty good one. I do have one container in my office right now. I'm going to share with you. It's dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this ah, is a container. Okay. Yeah. So it looks very much like what we talked about, like a 9 by 9 or this is the 8 by 8 obviously, mm-hmm. just a clamshell type container. Okay. Yeah. What does the end of life cycle look like for the containers then? How, how are they recycled just like other plastic materials or, or what does the process look like for you? So for us, uh, my ending is basically sending to the company, back to the company to be recycled. Um, it is a number five of plastic. So it is a recyclable plastic, pretty good one. Um, so plastic is recycled from one to five. So that's a good thing to know that like the company chooses plastic that can be recycled. Um, so that's on my end. I do not have a lot of information of what the company do with the containers after we send it to them. What happens if a student is a repeat offender on not returning containers or stuff like that? Um, what happens when, when a bunch of them just go missing? So, um, we have to have a back stock for non-returnable containers, um, Unfortunately, since we use the token system, we do not have any way to track who is not returning the containers. Um, But the person, if they are not returning the containers, they cannot use the containers back in the dining hall. You know, because they cannot use, uh, they cannot wash the containers and go back inside because this is a health department violation. Um, So keep always an eye to make sure the students is following um, the guidelines of the program to not reuse the containers before returning to us to be washed. So Okay. So then am I correct if I say that I bring my container back, I put it into a machine, and then I get the same container again. Is that correct? No, you're going to get a totally different container. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I bring it back, I put it in the machine, and then I take a fresh container and, and use it for my day. Correct. Got it. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we um, since we have a high principally right now that we have a high volume of people using uh, being participating on the program, we always need to make sure that we have containers available. Um, we won't have time to, you know, collect your container from the machine and bring back at the same time that you want to reuse them again. <laughs> so we need to have a huge back stock to make sure that yeah. we're rotating um, the containers. So and you said you have over, was it over 3,000 students participating in it? Yes. That's that's incredible. Yeah. And do you, what's your target? What are you shooting for? Obviously, you want 100% of everybody taking part in this program, but what are some goals that you have set for this academic year? Um, I do want 100% of these students using. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be there, but I feel like 3,000, um, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting 3,000 students being participating in the program right now. Um, so that for me is already a huge success of this amount of people using it. Um, my goal is still like, we still have like some locations that I see that people are not using that much, which is the retail locations. That's mm. my focus to increase participation in retail locations. Cause that's where the, we're going to create impact, you know, like where you're going to reduce a lot of, um, paper product. And so that's a, kind of my question. And so this is the main container. What about some of the other things? Is there cups? Is there other smaller containers? Or is it just right now the 8x8? Eight eight? So we have um, more two types of container, which is the smaller ones. Um, we have one for soup. And then we have another square one in case that you want to take some fruit with you. So, so for our program right now, we instead of offering just one tokens to the students, we're offering two tokens to the students, one for a big container, which is the eight by eight, and another one for a small one in case that you want to go and get some fruit, get some desserts, you can use both of the containers. Um, for dining halls, that helps us to, re like, we don't have to purchase any paper product to you know, in case the students wants to take a dessert with them for class, they can use the reusable container. So that's kind of is working right now at retail locations. We do not have, um, sorry, residential locations. We do not have a cup yet. We are working to find a solution of, you know, how can you have a reusable cup as well for your return. My message right now for these students is like, if you want to go to residential dining, you're taking to go containers and you have a reusable cup, use a reusable cup. So instead of us having another cup available, you can just use yours. This is fantastic. The, you know, the success that you're seeing and, and the, the buy-in that you're getting from, from faculty and student population, everything. Um, and Rich and I were kind of discussing this on the front end of the show about how the mentality of um, waste not, want not has always kind of been a thing, particularly in the food service industry. However, it was always driven from a profitability standpoint, not necessarily a, a sustainability and a carbon footprint kind of mentality. With that being said, what type of numbers have you seen collected? Has there been some positive cost savings that, that you're seeing within the university? And any other type of pertinent numbers where you, you're, you're seeing that what you're doing is having a, a truly a positive impact on what it used to be? I would say yes and no. More in the sense of like there's probably some hidden um, metrics behind of like 
for next for last semester, for example, that we did have a redu reduction in paper products purchase in the two locations that is the residential dining. But there's things that could be the problem, and there's other things that maybe the amount of students that was on campus. So still don't know exactly how we dropped so much the number of paper products that we purchased last semester compared to fall 2020. Um, sure. Yeah, that just that's a wash. I mean, yeah. that, you can't compare any numbers yeah, to that. So, uh, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. So that's one thing that I, I I noticed that we reduced by half compared to fall 2020 to spring 2021 when we started the program. But I still don't know if that was the program or any other mm -hmm. thing that happened on campus. Mm -hmm. um, for this semester, I didn't have the chance to see the numbers yet. But what I heard is that we did have a reduction in paper products purchase at the beginning of the semester as well. So that's some numbers that I still need to work to see uh, where we stand. Sure, yeah, it just takes a little bit more time. Does the company uh, that you purchase from, do they give you any type of like um, numbers about like how long or how many uses it takes for a container to pay for itself as far as like in cost savings versus using paper? Yes, they do have a calculator of like more, more in terms of initial cost. Okay. Um, so when you purchase like the containers that you're going to use, maybe the machines, you know, like all of the products that you need from them, they do have how much that's going to cost and how much you would be purchasing of paper product for the same amount of containers. Um, you can see because like the paper products you're always going, going to purchase something mm -hmm. that is continuous, you know, mm -hmm. for the reusable container, you're going to purchase one time. That's the number that you have. You're probably going to have some losses of containers. But it's something that probably is not going to affect your program as if you probably lose like paper containers. So you can see the difference between prices right there, like in your total amount of purchase compared to your monthly paper product purchase. Okay. So if someone were listening, I'm sure you're, you're blazing the trail with something new here. You've, you've had some pain along the way. You've had some things you think, oh, we should have done. Do you have like a, a, a couple of steps you could give somebody who's looking at doing this? Yes. Um, so the first step is always um, find some case studies of other universities, other businesses that, is, that have the program available, um, see how it works, um, um, understand how, what is the size of your business, um, the system that you want to use to run the program. So we're going to use the planet Aussie right now there's multiple companies already doing reusable containers principally for in the, the west coast of the United States so there's a lot of companies already uh, coming up to restaurants or businesses or universities so there's a lot of options out there um, making sure that your team is on board with your program um, that your managers if you have your associates, you know, to make sure they all understand how the program works. Um, and making sure you have enough containers for back <laughs> stock too. That's a very important one. And I'm still learning about that <laughs> in the hard way. So making sure to have that communication is the key uh, for the success of the program with the students, with your staff, uh, with the managers. Um, and since we're still kind of in a weird times of pandemic, 
reusable mm. containers does work during the pandemic. It's safe to use because I know that there was a lot of questions about that last year. Um, so it's totally um, safe to use. If you're following health department sanitation policies, you're totally fine to use reusable containers at your businesses, schools, whatever you want to implement the program. Um, and making sure the communication as well in terms of personal containers. So you probably have seen a lot of places that says like we do not accept uh, personal containers. So if you bring your own container to the location, they are not going to accept. Mm. That's the same thing for universities and other businesses as well. Um, due to health and safety concerns, you need to make sure that people know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, always trying to find solutions to incentivize people to use the containers, to participate in the program and see how they can reduce waste, not just food waste, but reduce waste in general. You know, it's a great alternative to um, talking about waste in America. You know, it's a great way to <laughs> totally reduce that. So that's yeah. that's my tip for them. All right. Good stuff. Where? Okay, I'm sure you've done like a lot of research, global research on this, you know, like thesis level stuff. Where is the United States at in comparison with some of the other leading countries in sustainability programs like that you're implementing? Are we really lagging behind uh, where where we should be or are we starting to step it up? What, what do you think? I would say that we need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree with you there. <laughs> you know, like I, I look to, I feel like Europe is the, the place where most of my colleagues, you know, in the area look at in terms of uh, sustainability. A lot of policies coming from there in terms of circular economy, which is basically this program, Reusable Containers is a circular economy program. You know, like you're returning containers, that container can be recycled. Um, I think America needs to step up on that to make sure we have policies in place mm-hmm. to reduce waste in America. We produce so much waste every single year, mm-hmm. um, tons of waste, you know. So for me, uh, first being here in America is something that um, helping the country to be more sustainable is something completely new for me. And I am passionate about sustainability and to be in America and help the, the country to drive to more sustainability efforts is, you know, like it's an incredible thing for me. Yeah. Um, we can do better. <laughs> yeah. Not just sure. in terms of waste, but in terms of food waste, climate change policies. And, you know, like we've seen so much in the news this year and last year with the pandemic as well. Um, how much the climate has changed, how, how many, um, you know, hurricanes you're having, the season is growing, fires everywhere. So I think like we can do so much better than that. Right. Well, yeah, I agree. What do you what do you say to uh, to an operator, uh, a restaurant operator, that can be some good first steps for them? I mean, is it just portion sizes? Is it watching purchasing? Is it making sure you're recycling or you're composting? Or what are the what are the steps they can take that relatively easily without you know, too much cost or, or even um, uh, something simple enough they can just implement tomorrow if they wanted to? Um, I would say the most, the one that I think touches most the people is in terms of waste. So um, recycling, this, usually when I talk about sustainability, the one that is, everyone can do is recycling. You can recycle your house, you can recycle your job, 
uh, you can recycle at your restaurant. So having a recycling system in place um, is the first step that I would recommend a person to do or businesses to do. So just uh, separating your trash. Yes. Okay. Then you can step up later on with composting, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can see how much food waste you're producing in your location. Oh, that's key. I mean, just being able to visualize like, okay, this pile that we're making over here, that's lost revenue. How do we reduce this pile? Right. <laughs> but if you're in a strip mall, for example, you don't have a, a yard that you can compost in or a, a bin that you can, you know, so is there, is, are there services that pick it up that, and we have trash pickup, obviously, but that's nowhere near recycling. That's just getting rid of it. So it, how does someone begin to do these things if they're in a limited space or they're in an environment that doesn't allow, they're on the fifth floor of a rest of a building, you can't you know, compost or how do, how do you do things like that? I would say depending this, which city you are located, um, there is a lot of um, private businesses coming in terms of composting. Okay. So do your research first to see if your city has any company that provides the service. Uh-huh. Um, that would help too in terms of like when you, you have a reduction of waste in your trash, you can reduce the cost of your trash. Mm-hmm. Because you can reduce the amount of items that is going to the landfill. So you can probably reduce the size of your container and then re- reduce the pickups that it happens throughout the week. So that's a saving cost for any businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're probably going to have to pay for the compost service, but at the same time, you're going to reduce costs in the landfill pickups. Um, so usually, um, like I, I, I was in Chicago and then I moved to Pittsburgh. Both of the cities had private companies that offer compost. Oh, okay. So always look for that to make sure that like there is anything available in the city first. I love how, how you said Chicago. You said Chicago <laughs> like somebody from Chicago. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with nothing, but language, learning a new language is always, you know, a, a, a challenging thing uh, for, for anybody. You know, I spent four years, like many people learning how to speak Spanish and I can know enough to order a beer and find the bathroom still. Um, what was learning English like for you coming from, uh, from Portuguese? Uh, that's your native language, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what was the, the quickest thing? Like, did you watch a lot of American television to learn like our conversational style or how, what was that like for you? So honestly, I did watch TV shows in Brazil. <laughs> But I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I came to America with the basic of, hi, how are you? And I knew lemon and colors. <laughs> you know, so I think like being in the country that you're learning the language helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Still learning. I'm not, you know, fully <laughs> done with my English classes. Sure, so. sure. Are, are there some weird things? I mean, every language has their own weird um, idioms and weird sayings and stuff like that. Is there things that, that make you kind of turn your head like, wait, what did they just say? Like when we say... Uh, Oh, what's a good one, Rich? You know, uh, about like um, uh, kill two birds with one stone or, you know, some of those other sayings that when even when we think about them, we're like, wait, what the what the hell does that even mean? You know, <laughs> yes, there's some I cannot remember. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but sometimes they do have like sometimes what the person said or sometimes someone says something that is like this is sarcastic and i'm like oh are you serious you know <laughs> interpreted that thing like very serious and like no you don't understand that, that that's 
that's not how you should understand that. <laughs> well, I think it's tough. We have so many words that have multiple meanings in the English mm. language, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah. I feel like yeah. Portuguese, there's more. Oh, there is. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, Portuguese, I always thought was, it's such a, a beautiful language, but it's just like, and it sounds and looks a lot like Spanish, but it has nothing to do with that. It's like, hmm, that's... The, it is they're hard. Different. <laughs> they're... I would say that it's a hard language. I'm still learning that one too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still learning English as well. So, you know, always a student. What are yeah. some weird things that they say in Portuguese that would be completely lost in translation? I had one. Um, so, we do have farmer's market on campus, and um, one of my colleagues tried to translate that to Portuguese, and I'm like, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> you know, so because we use a specific word for farmers market in Brazil, it's not like the you know the the translation is not the it's same. Not like, so. It's not like a market and a farmer put together yeah. farmers market. It's just <laughs> one complete separate entity. What does it translate to? If you don't mind me asking. So we call uh, feira. Feira, okay. So which is which is a market? You know, open market in the streets with farmers. Feira. That's hmm. that's exactly like if you you're gonna be in Brazil and you was like, can I go to a feira? <laughs> Where is a feira <laughs> that I can go? Ah. So they would say the specific dates in the neighborhoods that happen there. So. Ah, and so like if some English person was trying to translate it, they would try to take the word for farmer and the word for market and put it together, and that would be completely wrong. Yeah. Okay. You probably <laughs> yeah you they would. Probably say like what, like you asking you what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Are you going? Do you want to go to a farm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it. Anyway, I think it's time. I think we've had a great uh, day with you today, Lizia. I appreciate your time very, very much. And before we let you go, um, we like to ask all of our guests if there's a phrase or a saying or something that you've read somewhere that just really inspires you or that you think about often or you quote it uh, in, in anything like that? Yes, I do have one um, that I use like personally in terms of like when we when I am struggling to um, sometimes and connects to sustainability very well. <laughs> so it's from Anthony Lavoisier, A Chemistry. He has a quote that says, in nature, nothing is created, nothing is lost, everything changes. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we are always changing. Um, people are changing. The world yeah. is always changing. That is a fact. We know Love that. It. Very good. Well, again, thank you for, for today. We really appreciate it bringing your expertise to this topic that uh, I didn't know much about. So I thank you for that. And gr- good luck with your program. It sounds like you're well on your way. You've got a, a great thing started there. And hopefully, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners today will um, take some things that you said and hopefully implement them at their operations. So thank you again for everything today. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about sustainability. Well, Justin, as build, I, I learned a lot. I thought uh, <laughs> this was going to be one of those shows where, you know, I didn't know where we'd go with it or how much we'd learn, but I, I learned a ton. She was a great guest, really tell she's an expert at it. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good, good show. I think a lot of it, particularly for me, is not knowing what I need to know. And, and it's just, there's so many components and aspects of mm-hmm. sustainability for an operator or an owner. It's, it's a daunting task. And, right. and particularly in the U S things have to have a cost savings or 
um, some sort of monetary uh, implementation uh, as well to make people ha have that buy-in. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, we all want to do good things, but we, many of us, even now more than ever, can't afford to do things better if it costs more money. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we want to, we want to do better, but we got to be able to see savings. And I, th I think that's what's happening a lot more now is sustainability is it makes sense both for the good of the planet, but also for your pocketbook. Yeah. Well, I know I was, um, I was engaged. I was listening to her and I was learning a lot. And I think you probably were as well. So once again, I am thankful that we have our good friend Nate with us today who can wrap it all up and, and help us uh, bring it together here at the end and uh, summarize today's show. So Nate, if you could do your Nate summary, we would appreciate it. Well, thanks, Rich. I, I always appreciate the opportunity to give my two cents here at the end of the show. And I, like you guys, I learned a lot. I think the one thought that kept popping in my head as I heard this conversation is that, man, if you wanted to really make a difference in the world, food service is a wonderful place to start when it comes to sustainability. Mm. Because what does everyone have to do in some way, shape, or form? Eat. Mm. Bingo. And if that's, if that's, change can be so hard at an individual level. Um, and like you hear so much back and forth about, you know, while it's great to want to do your part when it comes to sustainability, that it's really hard to make a big measurable difference or an impact on an individual level. Well, if all of a sudden you can impact the lives of, in this case, 3000 individual people at a time, you're really, mm -hmm. really making some headway kind of quickly. And that's what stuck with me is that food service, as we've talked about during the pandemic has been really showcasing itself as the integral part of our society that it is. Here's another way that moving forward, food service has a lot to do in shaping the world and shaping our culture and shaping the lives we live. And it was interesting just to hear about it from the perspective of um, doing good, but doing good on a much larger scale than, than what we've discussed previously. So that's what I took away is that this is a really cool way that on an individual level, you can scale it up to make a very big impact very quickly because food touches the lives of everyone at some point throughout a day, more often than not several times per day. So I just found that entire conversation fascinating. Well, Nate, you're 100% right. And what a great um, way to think about like the impact because you said it, food is everywhere. There are so many outlets and different thinking, everything from big entertainment, stadiums, and every little pop-up that's out there you know there's all different levels of food service that touch so many people and what a great place to start absolutely right so thank you nate once again bringing it home and uh helping us see that point appreciate it all right justin anything from you to close out today yes sir i would like to remind everyone to hit that subscribe button i know i sound like a broken record here but please please hit it so you never miss another moment with a chef or food service industry professional again. And while you're at it, if you would also share what we are doing here with your friends, let them know that you appreciate the conversations that we have and the impact that it has on you. Very good. And thank you for that. Everyone, if you would just uh, another way to get in touch with us, please remember walrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. Let us know. We appreciate it. Every time we get an email, we do respond. And thank you for that, everyone who has done that. So as I close out today, just with my final thought of, if you did everything as if a customer were watching you, you'd know you'd be doing it right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care. <laughs>